Hello, everyone. My name is Rick Hawkins. I'm the pastor of Quest Church. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. You're about to hear a word that is informative, insightful, and inspirational. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can go to questchurch.com. Enjoy the message. you to join me in Ezekiel chapter 47. Once again, I'm always amazed at God's way of confirming his word uh, to me specifically, because as a pastor and a preacher, you always want to know you're on page with God and what God is saying, and you look for it. You want that confirmation. You want it either through a prophet or a message or someone that will just come along and confirm that you have heard from God. So today, I was listening to Christian opening the service. He had no idea. We have not talked in a week um, where I was going to be preaching from. So I found it to be very intriguing that he went to the 46th Psalm and talked about the rivers of God. God is faithful. Ezekiel 47 is an entire chapter written about the river of God that started in the sanctuary of the Lord on the south side of the altar. And as that river flowed, it was ankle deep, then knee deep, and then it became waist deep. And the prophet said, finally, it became deep enough to swim in. And I believe God has taken us to a place in his spirit where we're no longer controlling it, but it's controlling us. It's time to move out of ankle-deep living in the Spirit. It's time to stop being knee-deep Christians and waist-deep Christians that every time you think things are getting out of control, you put your feet down and try to control it analytically or logically or reason your way through it. It's time for you just to dive off into the deep as we sang this morning and say, God, you are sovereign and you are in control, and I totally trust you with every aspect of my destiny. Can somebody say amen to that? So we go to this Ezekiel 47 about this river. And the Bible says in verse 1 that afterward, Ezekiel speaking, he brought me again. Everyone say again. He brought me again into the door. To the door. You want to circle that word of the house. He brought me again into the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold, you want to circle that word. Waters issued out from under the threshold of the house and circle one final word, eastward. Now let me read that all together. Afterward, he brought me again into the door of the house and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house. What direction? Eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. The altar has a way of birthing things. The altar has, is the place where we birth movements. We birth currents and flows in God. Now, as we um, just track our way through this message today, I'm going to ask you just to turn on your spiritual ears just for a moment. I know it's the last Sunday of the year, and I really pleaded with God that I could come in here and just talk a little bit, and we could have a practical time, and it would be great, and we could just leave and go home, and it would be all good. But at 4 o'clock this morning, as I began to study God's word, of course, he just drops this bomb on me about you and what he has for you in your future. 
And I'm here to tell you that your future is so bright. You are a blessed people, and you're about to step into a sphere and a place, and your purpose in this earth is going to shock you and overwhelm you. Somebody shout, my best is yet to come. High five three people and tell them it's on in the building right now. Amen. And then you can, you can be seated. <coughs> Bless your name, Jesus. I'm going to preach a message today that is entitled Positioned, Positioned for the New. Positioned for the New. I need you to look at three people around you and say those words, Positioned for the New. So I just, just discussed to you and gave you some clarity about chapter 47. And I'm so excited about this word, it's hard for me to contain myself because I know what God is going to speak to you today. It's going to be great. But I want to reflect just for a moment. We as a church started 2019 with an emphasis on the full circle of faith in January. We focused on three words. The words were finality, the words were finishing, and then finally, finally. Finality, finish, and finally. So I looked this morning to my own life in 2019, and I can truly say that in regard to finality, there have been things that have been settled, that are settled in my life. So I'm thankful for that. I was able to finish some things that needed to be completed in my life. Now, I hope I'm not the only one that's experienced those kinds of things in 2019. I hope you've enjoyed those things as well. But for me, specifically, my favorite part of the entire year was my finally. After 13 years of being single, not just single, but single and searching, the Bible says, he that finds you, you seek and you shall. Finally, I found my wife. And I just want to say to my wife, this has been the most glorious experience ever. I'm thankful because I believe in some way God has finished me as a man. Not by bringing a companion, but by bringing a partner of purpose. So, Giovanna, I love you thankful for you. Will y'all give it up for my wife just one good time? I know you're clapping, but really, I love you, babe. So this New Year's Eve is going to be very important. Tuesday is going to be very important because we're going to close out the year with communion and we're going to close out the year with covenant agreement. You're going to bring Five things to church on Tuesday night that you are believing God for in 2020. Bring five things you're believing God for in 2020. If you looked at my five things from last year, you would see one of them would be a wedding. 
God gave me that, and I'm very grateful for it. So we'll do that on Tuesday night. Man, I feel the anointing here, and I'm being very, very serious about that. Something great is about to happen in this place. I want you to say this with me. We have the ability to set our hearts. Yeah. Say it one more time. To set our hearts. Positioned for the new. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Paul says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts. It doesn't say God will set your heart. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit will come along and set your heart. The Bible says it's a personal responsibility for us to set our hearts. No one else should have the authority, influence, or pull on your life to decide where your affections are set. That is your personal decision, and God gave you that wonderful ability to set your heart. So today, as we close out this year, and we'll finish it on Tuesday, but as we come to the close of this year, I want to encourage you now to begin to set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. If you set your heart on things in this earth, you're going to be disappointed, oftentimes distracted, detoured, and ultimately discouraged. But if you set your heart on things above, I promise you God will give you all the desires of your heart. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God is good, isn't he? So now, with that in mind, let's look at our text, Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1. Afterward, he brought me again into the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. I chose to read this this morning from the Amplified Version as well, and it would be on this wise. Then he, my guide, brought me back to the door of the house, the temple of the Lord. And behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house or the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple was facing which direction? East. In no particular order, I want to consider three ideas for this discourse of your destiny on this morning. Number one is the word direction. Say that word. Direction. On five different occasions in this particular chapter, there's one direction that is mentioned. That direction is east or eastward. East in Scripture is very important. For we find in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 8 that the first time God planted anything, the Bible says that God planted a, gar a garden in the east of Eden. And he put the man that he had formed in the garden that he planted in the east. I find that to be very conspicuous in that God has a way of putting stuff facing a direction that has to do with forward motion or progression. And I'll explain that as we go. 
when you study east throughout Scripture, you'll come across this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 17 where Elisha has his hands on the hands of a king that is dying. And in verse 17, he said, open the window, the prophet said, open the window eastward. And he opened it, and Elijah said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's what? Deliverance. The arrow of deliverance from your enemy. And you shall smite your enemy until you have consumed them. So the prophet tells the king, if you'll just open the window toward the east and release the arrow of victory into your future, God will ultimately give you victory over every enemy you are facing. There are certain things that are powerful in Scripture about the compass. When you study Scripture in relation to the north, the north always represents things that have been hidden that God has kept in secret for you. If you study scripture about the direction of the south, you find that the south oftentimes represents areas that were once wet with water that are now dry with dirt. If you study the west in scripture, it's always concerning turbulent water or roaring waters. So the compass is very specific in scripture about when you're going a certain direction, you're going to experience certain events. When the angel came down and spoke to the prophet Elijah about being near a cave as he is running from a mad woman named Jezebel, he tells him the first thing you've got to do is turn eastward. In other words, you need to face yourself in the place where you can see the sun rising again. Are y'all in the building? East in Scripture in the Hebrew connotes the idea of forward motion, the forward part. Go forward. Face eastward because it means go forward. When I saw that, I felt like I needed to tell you it's time to come out of neutral. This is not a day to be beige. This is not a day to try to stand in the middle and always just be going with the flow and not really standing for anything. Someone once said, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And it's time for the born-again believer, sanctified, blood-bought believers in the church to stand up and quit. Just being silent about what you see is wrong no matter how many likes you get or don't get on your Facebook page. You need to stand up for what is clear and what is right and speak from your conviction and stop compromising at the table of preference. And speak what the Lord has told you clearly. So when it's time, I heard the Lord say it's time for my people to turn back east. Be a leader. Be a leader. Lead the charge. Lead the change. Stop trying to find out where everybody else is going and locate your faith and locate your conviction 
and locate and galvanize what God has given you as ethics and standards and stand for them. And when everybody else is saying you're wrong, even if they're all saying you're wrong and you have to stand by yourself, stand by yourself and say, I'm going to believe what God's word says. I'm not going to receive my influence from CNN, Fox News, or no other media outlet. I'm going to receive my conviction from the word of God and the word of God only. The east has to do with the forefront. Everybody say, get back in front. It also means to project yourself. To project yourself is seeing yourself in your future. I always tell people, you are becoming the person you imagine yourself to be. If you can't see yourself in a better place in 2020, then welcome to your future. But if you can imagine it, you can become it. If you can see it, you can be it. God gave you the imagination of your mind, not to just replay your past, but to preplay your future. Start saying now, 2020, I'm blessed. 2020, I'm highly favored. 2020, I'm moving forward. 2020 is my year of progress and promotion. See yourself in your future. The East has to do with the anticipation, the preordained plan of God. If you want to know your future, look to where you were before you got here. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? The preordained, predestined plan of God has never failed. It's always held true in its, in its uh, relationship to the purpose of God in people. Let me explain myself. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1.4, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Help me, Jesus. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. It's time for you to get deep enough in your prayer life till you start tapping into the antiquity of the articulation of your assignment before you arrived. Find out what he said before you got here. Are y'all in the building? When we were singing that song today and we hit that one word, that one word used to be so popular in church. That one word used to influence us and persuade us in our church services. When the entire church would break out in a song and sing one word, and that one word was yes. All you've got to do is tell him yes. All you have to do is just say yes, God, to everything you told me before I ever arrived. I say yes. If you say I'm a prophet, I say yes. If you say I'm a successful businessman, I say yes. If you say I'm a missionary, I say yes. If you say I'm the greatest teacher in the school district, I say yes. If you say I, whatever you say, I say yes. I double dog everybody in the building and lean your head back and just scream as loud as you can. One word. Say it again. Do you not remember that anthem we used to sing in the church long ago? Yes. And that's all we would say. I remember being in Chicago teaching 100 and something pastors about ministry. There was a young man sitting there on the second row. I'll never forget it. The Lord told me, call that young man out. I called him out. And when he got there, I didn't even know what the Lord was going to say. He said, tell him sing. And I said, the Lord tells me to tell you sing. And he's looking at me and he's saying, sing what? And then the Lord spoke to me to tell him, sing one word. 
sing yes. He just started singing yes. He didn't say yes and yes but, yes maybe, yes when. He just said yes. And he sang yes until over 100 pastors were dropped down on their face in the building crying out to God for his perfect will. And there's got to be a generation that will rise up in this last hour that will lean their head back and shout to God with a voice of conviction. I've got one thing to say to you, God. Yes, there's not one no in me concerning your will. There's not one no in me concerning your word. All I can tell you is yes. I double dog dare you to take about five seconds and keep telling him, yes, Lord. The greatest no you will ever tell the devil is a yes to God. When you tell yes to God, when you say yes to God, you've emptied the enemy from any persuasion toward you to pull you into a distraction or a detour. Quit fighting him by telling him no and turn the gaze of your affection toward God and tell him yes and watch the distractions and the temptations walk away from you because there's no more no to it. There's just a yes to him. I want 50 people to jump on your feet and shout it three times. Yes, yes, yes. Breathe it, breathe it, yes. Come on, take a deep breath and exhale, yes. Yes opens the door of new opportunity. Yes takes you into places you've never enjoyed being. Say it again, yes. You may be seated. So the first thing I wanted to introduce to you on this message this morning is the idea of direction. And the direction we must go is east. Do you mind participating with me in some calisthenics here? Thank you. Which way is east? That way. Let's all stand. I know this seems like the most crazy thing you ever heard, but it's not the craziest thing I ever heard. Probably the craziest thing I ever heard was a guy coming to a prophet to be healed of leprosy. And the prophet said, go to the Jordan and dip down seven times. The seventh time you'll come up and the leprosy will be gone. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at that guy telling him, number one, that Jordan River is muddy. Number two, why can't you just say be healed? Sometimes we have to do things physically to show God our obedience. So I want this whole church to face east, and I want you to shout as loud as you can, yes, God. Yes, God. Say it again. Yes, God. Now repeat after me, yes to your word. Yes to your, yes to your way. Yes to your and yes to your will. Yes. Now clap your hands and give God praise. Come on, we're going east today. We're going forward today. Come on in the building. We're getting back in front today. We're not going to walk with our problems. We're going to get in front of the problems. You may be seated. That's the direction. The second word you circled, actually it was the first word, was the word door. Everyone say door. Afterward, he brought me again unto the door. I find that terminology to be very interesting. Because it means God does not give up on us. He'll keep bringing us to the door. 
until we do something with the door he sets before us. He brought me again to the door. If he's been there before, I'm sure he ran to the door this time with great excitement to see what the Lord was about to show him. When we close out this year, I want you to see yourself for the next five or ten minutes standing in a doorway. I just want to see you to see yourself right there standing in that doorway. Revelation chapter 3 verse 7 says these words, And the angel of the church wrote, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, and he that has the key of David. Listen to it closely while you're standing in the door. He that opens and no man shuts. And he that shuts and no man opens. I know your works. Now watch what he says. Behold, I have set before you not a closed door. He said, I have set before you an open door. And no man can shut it. I'm here to tell you right now in Jesus' name. God is set before this church and every family therein an open door. And no man can shut it. Somebody shout praise the Lord. There's something powerful about God standing before a church and telling them, I set a door before you and the door's not closed. The door is open to you. It's open for you to become anything you decide to be. It's open for you to walk in places you've never walked before and to become people you've never been before. I came to introduce to you today, and if I'm too loud, forgive me, that God has set before you not a closed door, but an open door. If you can see it in your spirit, take five seconds and give God praise for open. I've learned something. Closed people see closed portals. Closed people see closed portals. Closed because you think you know it all. You're not open to learn anymore. You're not open to stretch anymore. You're not open to go further anymore. Today, I got a word for you. Ephatha. Jesus put his fingers in the ears of a deaf man. And he said, Ephatha, which means be opened. You're not going to see open until you become open. Quit being so close to new ideas. Quit being so close that you're just so locked into the past, you can't get into the future. Open yourself to new relationships. Quit being so closed off that you say, I'll never be vulnerable to love again. I bind that in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout Ephatha in the building. Be open. Be open. And God has set before you an open door. I'm sorry, but I feel this thing in my, I feel fire in my soul right now. Woo. When I think about open doors, I have to visit that Shunammite woman. I can't leave her alone. In 2 Kings chapter 4, I got to go to a house and see it for myself. And I'm there right now. And I see that prophet in there. And he looks at Gehazi, he's serving, and he said, go ask this woman what she wants. Gehazi goes and he comes back and he says, she doesn't have a child. And the prophet says, call her to me. 
And the Bible says when he called her that she ran and she stood in the door. And the prophet looked at her and said, by this season next year, you're going to be resting with a baby in your arms because God has showed me that you didn't ask for it, but you still want it. And the woman said, don't lie to me, which means somebody else promised her something in her past and they didn't fulfill it. Let me help you. If God said it, I promise you he's going to do it. God is not a man that he should lie. He will stand by his word and he will come through. There's an open door before you. Quit sitting in the living room when you can stand in the door say it to five people around you get in the door get in the door get in the door Woo. when he called her the word called there in second kings chapter four means he arrested her or he accosted her see the call of god does not present you with options the call of god says come here and come here now. Recess is over. Time out for playing around. It's time for you to get in the door of your destiny. The call of God does not placate you. The call of God does not pacify you. The call of God demands your attention. And it will arrest your spirit until you tell God with a wholehearted yes that the devil hears an irrevocable no. She stood in the door. She stood in the entrance. In no way in the Hebrew language does this word mean exit. It only means enter. Door means enter. Some of y'all are trying so bad to get away from stuff because you've been taught the theology of escapism. You want out, you want out, you want out. And God's saying, come in, come in, come in. Why are you running so hard from stuff? You really mean it's got that much of a hold of you? If you could ever learn the passion that God has for you concerning his purpose, you wouldn't be running from stuff. You'd be running to him. And you would be running to him even like David when he said, my soul followeth hard after thee, O God, even as the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee. I wish I had some prayer warriors in this building because this thing is about to take a spiritual turn and every demon that's been distracting you and discouraging you is about to let go of your heart and let go of your mind and they're about to back up and God is about to release a revelation of who you're becoming in your future until you can't help but run into it. Tell your neighbor, put your Adidas on, put your Nikes on, put whatever tennis shoes you got on, cause it's time to run. We're not running from nothing. We running to him. Somebody shall run to him. Woo! When one door closes, another opens. Someone said, but we often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that do we do not see the one which has opened to us. 15 God speaks to Abram and Abram is buried in a tent he calls him out of it when he comes out he shows him all the stars Woo! So shows him all the grains of sand I feel God in this building fire the Holy Ghost burning in this sanctuary shows him all the sand of the seashore all the stars in the sky he said that's yours Abram that all belongs to you 
He blows his natural mind. He goes and he hides himself back in the tent. But when you get to Genesis chapter 18, the progression of the revelation of who Abraham is is now dawning on him. So when God comes back the second time, Abraham is not buried in the tent. He's standing in the door of the tent. Because once you've heard him one time about what he is making you to become, you stop hiding in stuff. You stop hiding in sin. You stop hiding in complacency. You stop hiding in comfortability. You start longing for next. Some of y'all think because of your age, God is done. I came to nullify that notion and tell you to get a different spirit. That spirit being the spirit of Caleb. That you will stand up 80 years old and say, I'm as strong right now as I was when I was 40. Give me my mountain. Somebody shout, I want to know what's next. Say it louder. Come on. I want to know what's next. That's where I am. I'm in the door today, God. And I'm asking you, what's next? What's next for Rick Hawkins? What's next for Quest? What's next for Christian? What's next for Isaiah? What's next for Jocelyn? What's next for Aaron? What's next for Chief? What's next for Giovanna? What's next for Demet? What is next? Quit acting like you've arrived. Christianity is the process of becoming. Somebody shouted three times, get in the door, get in the door. Paul wrote the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. And he says, for a great door and effectual doors open to me. And there are many adversaries. As I close this second word down. Let me say this to you. An open door doesn't mean there's no opposition. Because you're in the door doesn't mean the enemy's going to walk away. Oh, I feel God here. The adversary will challenge every advance you are about to make. Some of you are wanting to move your commitment deeper in God. And the enemy showed up out of nowhere in a weird disguise. And you're trying to figure out what's going on because you had really committed to going further. Thinking not strange. The devil just doing his job. Somebody shout, it's too late now. You didn't shout it, come on. Come on. I'm in the door. For every entrance, there's always an enemy. For every entrance... There's always an enemy to tell you no. Can I introduce you to the final word? And I'll conclude my discourse for this morning. Praise the Lord. God bless you. And I hope you've enjoyed your day. Because I'm fixing to release a dynamic piece of dynamite in the devil's yard. Somebody shout, he should have never messed with me. Now look at someone next to you and tell them he should have never messed with you either. Because you made it to the right house today. There's a lot of churches you could be sitting in today. There's Life Church, Victory Church, Fellowship Church, Wake Church, Timber Creek Church. But you made it over here and them are all good churches and they're preaching real good messages. But I came with a word for God, from God for you, to tell you, you are about to explode out of your historical past, and you're about to land in your prophetic future. Your mouth going to drop open with the goodness of God that he has displayed in your destiny. I need you to take 10 seconds and praise him like you're ready to go. Somebody shout out. I'm ready to go.
Tell your neighbor I got direction and I got a door. I got direction and I got a door. Tell one more person I've got direction and I've got a door. The devil has waited too long now. I've come too far. I've got direction and I've got a door. Jesus said, I am the door. No man goes to the Father but by me. Keep preaching Jesus. Keep talking about Jesus and doors will keep opening for you. I am the door. Jesus is the door. Someone say it loud, I have direction. I have a door. Now watch the dynamic and I'm done. Woo! I remember leaving Tulsa when I first went into ministry. I was 19 years old. And I'm carrying a Bible for a bishop. <laughs> and his dad stopped me, the bishop's bishop. And he said, Ricky, he grabbed me on the arm. He arrested me. And I turned around. I said, yeah, Dad. He said, you're called by God, son. And I started crying. This is a powerful man. He said, you're going to preach the gospel all over the world. I'm 58 now. And I've been to almost every country of the world. I'm very grateful. Thank God for prophets. Now watch what he said. He said, I got a word for you, son. I said, what is it? He said, preach the hell out of them. I said, say it one more time, dad. He said, I said, preach the hell out of them and preach hope into them. So I came here, 58 years old, born March 11, 1961, to tell you all hope is coming your way. You have a hope and an expected end. You have direction. Get in the door. Tell five people I'm in the door. I'm in the door. I'm in the door. Woo! Watch what he says. And behold, water. Thank you, Jesus. Behold, water was flowing from under. Here's your word. The threshold. The threshold of what? The house. Why would you go to a house that don't have a threshold? I'm going to explain myself. Because you're wondering, tell me. I'm going to tell you. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Ghost about to break out in this place here now. Feel him. I feel him. He's about to do something powerful in this place now. He said it started where? At the what? Threshold. Say the word. Threshold of the what? House. Why would you go to a house that doesn't have a threshold? What do you mean, Pastor Rick? Threshold in the Hebrew means the place of initiation. <laughs> it's a place where something is about to start that hasn't started. Every time you cross over the threshold of the house of God, stuff ought to start up in you. Somebody shouted, start me up, start me up, start me up. Yeah, as soon as you get here, you walk through them glass doors, something ought to jump in you. Like, oh, anything can happen in my life today. 
And I'm here to tell you I came with jumping cables. Some of your battery is dead. But mine is not. And I came to tell you I'm about to hook my positive to your positive and my negative to your negative. And I'm about to give you a jump start via the Holy Ghost. Something is about to start up in you. Something is about to initiate in your cause in this earth. Some of you have been dead too long, just in neutral, just sitting there. Somebody shout it as loud as you can. Start me up. Start me up. Start me up. Initiation. The threshold is in the house. The house ought to give you a startup. The house ought to give you a new beginning. The house ought to give you an initiation. The house ought to make you want to start over again. The house ought to tell you that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end, but they are new every morning, meaning you can wake up every day, put your two feet on the ground, lift your hands and say, God, I thank you for a new start. I thank you for initiation. I thank you for activating something in my spirit. I came by to tell you, get ready because stuff that is laid dormant in you for a while that you have given up on God is slipping the key into it and he's turning it to the right and I hear something turning over in you you're about to be born again again you're about to start believing God for big stuff again you're going to start seeing yourself in your future again somebody shout I'm on the threshold I'm on the threshold a threshold is a fixed location where change is observed. A threshold is a fixed location where change is observed. God is about to do such a change in you, people will not be able to ignore it. Somebody shout the threshold. The threshold. In architecture, you should know it. The threshold lays between the doorway or beneath the doorway say it again threshold it's the line between two spaces it marks a line between two rooms it separates where you were from where you are going tell your neighbor I'm not there yet but I'm in the door and I'm standing on the threshold. I'm on the verge of something that I... That tell your neighbor I'm at point break, baby. I'm riding this wave way up at the top. Is this too deep for y'all? I'm here to tell you, you on December the what? 29? Today, 29? What's the date today? 29? You on 29 right now. You are on the verge. I decree and declare to you that 2020 is going to be the best year you have ever seen. But I came to tell you, get direction in your life. Get in the door. Stand in the place of the dynamic. Look at the threshold and shout, bring it on, Lord. I am ready. Bring the big. Bring the ridiculous. Bring the superb. Oh, I wish I had a church with some faith. Somebody shouted, I'm ready. I'm on the verge. I'm on the threshold. Woo. That's in architecture, but in aviation, it's different. In aviation, the threshold is at the end of the runway, which means when you go through the threshold, you're either lifting or landing. 
Some of y'all are about to lift and some of y'all are about to land. Some of you are about to lift and go to a place you've never been. Some of you are about to land in a place you only dreamed of being. But you got to go through the threshold to get to the promise. You got to go through the threshold if you want to go up. And you got to go through the threshold if you want to land in the promise. What is the threshold? It's the place where everything that can be shaken shall be shaken. Everything violently shakes. And you think you're going down and it you land right in the promise. Everything is shaking and you think I'm going nowhere and then you look up and you're just sailing and smooth sailing and everything is easy because you made it through the thresholds. Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not and when you are converted turn around and strengthen your brethren some of you are going through the shaking because God is strengthening your faith that when you get lifted you can help people that are down and when you land you can usher people into the promise tell your neighbor I can take the shaking baby I'm almost done, but I need to know if anybody is ready for the threshold experience. Woo! I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll just say this. Let me calm down because I feel the Holy Ghost and the Spirit is subject to the prophet. So I'm going to try to calm down. Jesus, help me. Holy Ghost, help me. Lord Jesus, help me. I, I wasn't going to go there, but I'm going to go here real quick. So, in technology, there is a device called a compressor limiter. It rests right back there with Brit. Brit is in control of it. It's a compressor limiter. It has to do with sound. So that when sound reaches its threshold, the compressor limiter starts kicking in. And the compressor limiter makes the highs come down and the lows come up. Till suddenly what's sounding noisy in your ear sounds pleasant. The volume didn't change. The presence changed. I just missed that right there. Shall I go through that discourse one more time? There is in sound what is referred to as a compressor limiter. It rests in the hands of Brit right back there. A compressor limiter is put on a sound system for the purpose of leveling things out. So that when sound gets to a certain threshold, the compressor limiter guard starts bringing the highs down and the lows up. And suddenly mountains lay down. Valleys are filled in and the crooked ways are made straight. I came by to introduce you to the compressor limiter. His name is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Shama. Are y'all in the building? He's about to level things out for you. The mountains are laying down in front of you. The valleys are being filled in for you. The crooked ways are being made straight. Somebody ought to be on your feet giving God 
a praise for being the compressor limiter in your life. But let me tell you, I'll end it with this because some of you have a problem with sound. You say, don't take all that. Well, the compressor limiter does not kick in until sound reaches a certain level. So you Israelites have to march around this city seven times. One time every day for seven days and on the seventh day you march seven times. And on the seventh time when you hear the sound of the trumpet, shout because God has given you the city. And on the seventh time, on the seventh day, they shouted. And what was erect suddenly laid down. Why? Because the sound reached the threshold until God could not be still no more. What you do not understand is that your praise has a sound to it. You can lock Paul up in that prison, but don't let midnight show up. Because at just about midnight, he's going to start singing praise as loud as he can until his sound reaches the threshold. And God says enough is enough. I got to get my man out that trouble. I got to get him out that prison. And suddenly the prison doors were slung open. Not just his prison, but everybody's prison. Because your praise have enough power to reach the threshold until God says enough is enough. You've been bound long enough. You've been restricted long enough. You've been intimidated long enough. You've been down long enough. You're coming out because your sound has reached the threshold and now I'm going to kick in oh you don't know it but you got to see the sacrifice of praise working for Samuel when he sacrifices the bull and the people began to praise that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercy never comes to an end until God hears the sound reach the threshold and he begins to discomfort the enemy of their future there's a sound you can push about your spirit that'll call God to get up off his throne and tell the enemy leave my girl alone leave my boy alone I want to know if there's any praise in the house today if there is tell your neighbor let's go to the threshold tell them let's go let's go let's go to the threshold how do we do it? Start making noise until God starts moving around. Start giving praise until God puts his foot on a prison and he kicks the doors open. I double dog dare you. Some of you have not done it in a while. My Bible says clap your hands all ye people and shout. Come on, make noise, make noise. That's pretty good, but I want to know, do you want the compressor limiter to kick in? Woo! I dare you to start walking around in the building. Just walk around. Some of you men, step out and just walk around. Lift your voice. God, I praise you. I lift my voice. I push the sound in the house. Come on, walk around. Y'all walk around. Walk around. Come on, walk around. Thank you, Wayne. Come on, walk around. Walk around, lift your voice till people next to you can hear your sound reaching the threshold.
Come on, no, no music. I want to hear the voice. Come on, get in that door. Put your foot on that dynamic called praise. Get up on that threshold. Get up on that threshold till something breaks. Get up on that threshold till God says, I can't take it no more. Come on, 30 more seconds. Lift your voice, church. Come on, Quest. Woo! Hey, hey. Woo. See, hear what we've been doing. Let me show you. I'm going to say it again. The threshold ain't about volume. It's about presence. So David brings that ark back. He set it up there in the temple. Y'all need to hear this now. Huh. And where did they sit it? Next to a false god called Dagon. Which means what the people want. And where did they put him? Right in the temple. Right next to the ark of the what? Presence. They go in there to check on him. And Dagon is falling down. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Anytime you try to put what man makes next to what God is, it will always fall on its face. It wasn't over. Because now they moved the both of them, not just in the temple. Read the Bible, 1 Samuel 5. But they moved the both of them to the threshold of the temple. Bad mistake. Because when they went in the next night to check on Dagon, not only was he falling to his face, but his arms were broke off and his legs were broke off and he was smashed into debris. Because the presence of God owns the threshold. When you're going over the threshold of transition of your life, God owns that passage. Y'all didn't hear that there. When you're going over the threshold of transition in your life, God owns that passage. And if anything the enemy sets up tries to touch you, he will cause it to be obliterated. Ezekiel 9, Ezekiel 10, I challenge you to read it. I don't have time to preach it all. Ezekiel 9.3 The priest went in to do his work and the glory of the Lord moved to the threshold of the temple. The glory of the Lord protects your worship if you will just cross 
the threshold. If you'll take your praise as high as you can take it, God inhabits the praises of his people. See, it's all about intensity. It's all about presence. And it crossed over the glory come and moved right to the threshold. But when you get to Ezekiel 10, see, Wayne, it changes. Now it doesn't move on the threshold. When the priest goes in the second time, the Bible says, now the glory of the Lord stood on the threshold and said, no interruptions. My man is worshiping. And the priests at that time were not only worshiping, they were scribing. They were describing and prescribing. It's in the glory of the Lord that you can really write out your future. I know I'm going over your head. I know this is too much for you. I'll end it with this. When the glory creates access through the threshold, God cuts off anything that will push against your prophetic future. I'm going to say it again. When the glory creates access through the threshold, God cuts off anything that will push against your prophetic future. Direction. Door. Dynamic. Everybody wants direction. Everybody wants to get in the door. But no one wants to become demonstrative with God. Thank you.